you see the likes of Wolves, you see the likes of Everton, you see the likes of even Spurs, um, and 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 all these teams sort of uh, really sort of adding to their teams and 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 adding and sort of resolving sort of weaknesses in their in, in their teams and 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 just signing players to be excited about. And then you see United, where no one leaves and no one comes in. We are where we are, and and all they'll do is is blame Borussia Dortmund for not selling us their best player. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. It's people's lives are at risk. Ole Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello, comrades, and you're very welcome to the Football Spin. It's Football Spin on a Thursday afternoon. We're heading into big when big weekend of Premier League action and very special show I have lined up today on the Football Spin because not not only do we have one um, cherished son of Manchester, (laughs) we have two cherished and treasured sons of Manchester. We've got Nas Chowdhury. I'm making it is it's a football spin debut site, isn't it? I know you've been on or has, uh, it's not a debut, no, Paddy, but it's good to know I made an impression last time. Thank you. I wasn't sure okay, well that's fair <laughs> enough. But I wasn't sure if you're on the football spin or its predecessor, Joe's World Cup mini pod. So that's where that's where the confusion lies. I think it was just a brief a brief cameo appearance to be honest a long time ago. So I'll let you off, don't worry. I think uh, I think we I think we edited him out. Yeah, you did, yeah. He was so bad. We decided no. It was it was a little it was a little bit like do you know when do you know when um Kantner had the trial at Sheffield Wednesday, and like they didn't take it any further a little bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember one of it. I was actually doing one in my car outside because it was late at night and my wife had banished me from recording in the house. So I was sitting in the car and it was absolutely Baltic outside as well. Oh so, yeah, <laughs> good times. We can find common ground by just rounding on Nas. And like, let's just, <laughs> let's hands across the Irish Sea here because you say that Nas is a Scouse accent. And I've heard um, other people in the Joe from the Manchester side of things. And Joe, that's the thing that you use, a stick you used to beat him with. Yeah, I mean, the great irony in this is I, I live about 10 miles outside of Manchester and a lot closer to Liverpool than Nas does. But I think this started on, on Twitter, didn't it, Nas? I think yeah, it's completely. It started on Twitter and it's completely a piss take. It's to wind me up. And the thing is, the thing is, I, I reckon part of the reason why it's done. Part of the reason is, is people are taking the piss out of me. Second reason is people from the south do not understand. Do not do not get the accent. So they they hear someone like Sai and he's like, he's like, all right, my name's Sai and I reckon this. And then and, and then they hear me. Who's, whoa, whoa, who's whoa, like, whoa, whoa. Where am I from? <laughs> 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 any, any, anyway, look it. That's, look it, yeah, yeah. There that, you go. That, that was my well, funny, that was my bad impression. Look it. It's very impressive. Very impressive. Um, <laughs> and I'm I'm struggling not to say it now. Now that you've now that you've pointed out my uh, my little my crutch. Uh, okay, look it. Oh fucking hell! I didn't even mean to that time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sai and Nas. Actually, just before we get started, lads, I have to say mention as well that Ruben Pinder isn't here today in this room, but he has been catching up with uh, Leeds United's Liam Cooper ahead of their game this weekend with uh, Sheffield United, which is live on BT. 
And we'll be hearing from Ruben and Liam Cooper lots there on Marcello Biel. So some really interesting insights there as well. Right. Well, we've got two Manks in. Woolly back or not, we've got two Manks in. So I think now this is a good episode to to deep dive on Manchester United at a time when it does feel like the club is going through yet another crisis coming off the back of really bad results from the weekend. And that sense that Solskjaer isn't the man for the job, something a lot of fans or we perceive that to be the case. So I will get into the transfers in a moment. But you know what? Let's talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer first of all. Is he the person that fans are talking about or that fans will... Turn on is wrong because I know United fans love Solskjaer and even if they don't feel he's right for the, the gig, I, I have a feeling that there's not there's no real sort of bitter resentment towards him. So where are the fans? Where's the anger being pointed at at the moment? Um, I'd say from what I've seen, most of the, the anger is still directed at the owners and um, the people in charge of, of the transfers, which, to be quite honest, this, this seems to happen every single transfer window that most of the, the angst is, is directed in that way. Um, in terms of Solskjaer, I think when he when he got the gig to replace Mourinho, I, I don't think anyone really thought he was the best qualified person to take that. But I think at that moment in time, it was just the relief that it, it was somebody other than Mourinho in charge. So, um, you know, he, he did enough to, to at least make a case for his contract to be extended. I think people were surprised when it was and that he got the got the permanent gig and it didn't really go too well after that did it I think like last season uh, the first half of last season United were terrible because there's no two ways about it they looked pretty good in terms of counter-attacking footballs they showed away at City um, but you know I, I think it was it was a season where they probably would have would have missed out on the top four had they not got Bruno Fernandes and when they did I think we saw a different side to United, a different side to what Solskjaer had been planning for. And the, the form obviously took an upward turn in that time. United, after the after the restart, this is in particular, uh, they played some of the best football they've played in years. And I think that having seen that, there was a real case there for Solskjaer to be backed in the transfer market and show what else he could do with a few more additions. Um Again, this is this is me saying that, you know, at the time he was initially given the job, I think Pochettino would have been a better choice. But given what he showed um, in those five or six games immediately after the restart, I thought, you know, United looked good. They ran out of fumes, obviously, and uh, it came to a point where it was quite obvious that the, the players that were on the bench weren't good enough to improve or make an impact when it was needed. Um, which, again, ties into the fact that they needed new transfers this summer, which I think is where most of the frustration is coming from. I'm really interested in that thing that you said about fans kind of like starting to feel like Solskjaer had turned the corner because a point I made the other day was what's usually happened in the past is a bad result like the one at the weekend against Crystal Palace is usually followed by a good run and then over time then that sort of that the memory of of that result begins to kind of wash out of the system and and Solskjaer and the United board and, and and whatever can kind of limp on and then and they could probably begin to prosper again. I feel like we've gone through this this sense of like Solskjaer's not up to the job. Oh actually no, maybe he is up to the job. Oh and then fans turning the corner. I feel like that's maybe happened three or four times already in his reign. And you'd wonder if there is gonna if there is 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting what you say there about how that's happened three or four times. United, United have been quite strange under Solskjaer in that there's always been like runs where the first run where he first got the job on a temporary basis, they, they, they couldn't lose if they tried. Um, then when he got the permanent contract, it seemed to, to go to shit after that as well. And then obviously we, we saw that resurgence again after after the restart where United went on that long unbeaten run. I, I don't know what the tipping point will be. I think the big concern now is that if United aren't backed, we had that little glimpse at the end of last season where we saw that there was nobody really coming in to, to change games, that, that the squad was very shallow. I think that with, are they not to add two, three, four signings more, which is looking very unlikely. I think things will get very difficult for Solskjaer and the kind of football he wants to play because he's essentially only got 11 players that he seems to really trust. Um, well, let's get into the transfers then. Um, and it remains to be seen how much United are going to back the board. I'm talking about back Solskjaer in this window. Still lots of chat about Jaden Sancho. And um, you do have a sense that that may or may not still happen. And there's lots of there's lots of scenarios where it doesn't happen. But before they sell, before they buy players, they probably have to sell. They've got a very big squad, as a lot of Premier League do, clubs with money have. And they have to go through the loans process or they have to start shipping some out. One man who's been on loan and has impressed elsewhere is uh, Chris Smalling, who I know you think this is probably a good deal for United, but this is a man who has done very well for Roma in Syria, um, who is a centre-half at United that I, I can't remember. You know, he's had a few poor games, but like compared to Victor Lindelof, he's Franz Beckenbauer. Like, you know, he's he's so far ahead of what's there in, in my mind's eye. So why isn't he good enough for United? And why is it a good thing that he's leaving? It's an interesting one. I mean, I think you look at, you look at the game the other day against Palace and Lindelof, all right, he was a bit unfortunate for the penalty, but um, he, he made a couple of errors that if it had been Smalling, you know, the outcry would have been far more severe, I think. Smalling, to me, and this is obviously taking into consideration it's a very low bar, but since Ferguson left United, I think there's a really good case to make that Smalling's been United's best defender. That's not to say he's brilliant. Um, that's not to say he's, he's the level United need, but over that period of time, I think he has probably been quite uh, consistent, uh, even if there has been one or two like glaring individual errors along the way. Um, but I, I think that the fault Smalling's always had, and this is probably why Solskjaer is, is open to letting him go, is that it, although he's okay as a defender, I think bringing the ball out of defence, picking that pass, starting that attack, He's not really a defender who's going to do that. You look at some of the best centre-halves in the world, they can do that. Smalling can't really do that. And I think that's probably why Solskjaer is open to moving him on. Um, and I think that, you know, Smalling is a bit of emblematic of the problems at United if you look at look at the situation he's in. This is a player that United can't shift now because they're not getting the asking price. Roma are haggling over that. He went on loan at the start of last season. Six months before that, he was given a new four-year contract. So it just shows the kind of lack of forward planning at United that players are getting extended contracts when there's a likely chance that they're going to be getting sold anyway or look to be sold in the next year. No, it's just on the players that are at United that, that need to be gotten rid of. Patrice Ever has been talking about those kind of players that are holding the club back. And I, I remember, like, obviously, and <clears throat> it's a two-sided coin because I remember in the glory days with United, they were able to flog off 
the you know their their reserves essentially to mostly Everton and Newcastle. So you'd you'd flog off Darren Gibson, get two or three million for him, even though he's never fit. You'd flog off well, Neville would did all right. Um and, and lots of other players that came to United and because they had the United premium and they'd been coached by Alex Ferguson, they got shifted on. <clears throat> now that premium is Liverpool's and they can sell young players that come through for that premium. I'm thinking Jordan Ibe. I'm thinking Ryan Brewster, if he leaves and Harry Wilson's gone out and loan, he might go permanently. And like, it's just money that comes in all the time. And that's what happens when you have success. You can sell off these kind of mid-range players. But the problem is that when you don't have success and your squad gets bloated, it is incredibly difficult to move on players because like, who's going to want some of the players that United want to flog? Like, where's Juan Mata going to go? Even though he has been a fantastic footballer for United, where does he go now? Probably back to Spain. I mean, it, that's that's the issue that United have got at the moment. Um, there's there's almost two tiers of players that United could get rid of and probably should get rid of. But um, you've got the you've got the the players who they really want to get rid of because um, they're seen as uh, not good enough anymore for the club, and you've got players who are probably could still do a job for the club. But are but are saleable assets, or in theory, are saleable assets. So, for instance, um, United would love to get rid of uh, players like. Um, well, I mean, Juan Mata is a, a separate issue because, like, they see they they know there's not much value in him, and uh, in terms of his price because because of his age. But they'd love to get rid of Marcus Rojo. They'd love to get rid of Diogo Dalot. Um, and 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 a few plays like that, but and uh, Andreas Pereira plays like that. But it's hard to find um, buyers for those players, not only because those players haven't really shown a reason for anyone to buy them, but also they're on very high wages, so it's hard to get rid of them. And then you've got the you've got another level of, level of player like um, I mean. <laughs> I suppose I suppose Dan James sort of uh, fits into this category where where he he is somebody who United have bought quite recently and in spite of all the criticism that has come his way has only been at the club for one one year and there and there could be potential for him to sort of progress but Leeds are interested in him and uh, and, and and you've also got someone like Chris Smalling who isn't a lost cause could do a job as part of the squad but he, he but Roma are interested so they could sell him so so you could see a situation if if the structure of the squad was different and there was less um um there were less of these players that they wanted to get rid of then then it would make sense to keep hold of uh, Chris Mullen and keep hold of um, Dan James because they could um work as part of the squad and, and 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 sort of could come in when required but because there's so there's so much dross in the in the in the United squad. The players that they really want to get rid of, they can't. So that's why they have to look at people like Dan James and Chris Smalling. Um, in terms of okay, these are ideally our first team players, so maybe we have to get rid of them to 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 to, to sort of get some kind of money in to sort of get bring the bring the salary down, the salary levels down, and 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 sort of reinvest that money. So that's that's what I'd say about someone like Chris Smalling is that he's not awful. Um, and he's obviously done well at Roma, but he do, he's not quite the player that uh, that um, Solskjaer wants in the first team, and is is a saleable asset. 
I suppose the, 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 the issue here and the reason I pick on poor Juan Mata is because he's on a lot of money and he's old. He's 32. He's on 160 grand a week um, or something of that to that measure. Now, he's not amongst the top earners in the club because that would be De Gea, who's on nearly 400,000 and Pogba, who's on 300,000 and, and, and those kinds of players. But like Juan Mata is somebody who's on 8 million and then you uh, per annum and then Fred is on another... <laughs> six and a half million and there's a lot of the like you mentioned Rojo there someone who's on four someone like Jesse Lingard who's like has just become a running joke which again it just feels it's it's it seems wrong for somebody like Jesse Lingard to still be at Manchester United it's like he has like in a parallel universe um if you've watched Dark on uh Netflix you like the German parallel universe show like Jesse Lingard in a parallel universe is playing for Newcastle. And like that's that's where he's been for the last four seasons. And United have won a Premier League title in the last few years. Like it's just it doesn't seem it doesn't seem it I suppose it speaks to the kind of the malaise that's at the centre of the club. When you have players that are it's kind of an inertia sets in. They're they're not really adding anything to the to the mix at all, Si, but they're hanging around and you get this kind of this when they say the rot sets in, it's kind of around players like that. That that's how it happens, as I see it, anyway. Yeah, I mean, you talked before about about Solskjaer and whether he was the right man to be in charge. This is part of the problem he faces now, in that he's got to kind of unpick the tangled web of like what's been left behind by the last three failed managers at United, and you know, it's it's really difficult for him because we all know by now that United. Are, pretty inept when it comes to signing players and moving players on. But there's also this theme there of, of like keeping players on longer than they need to be, just in case they can't get anyone on. I think maybe you talk about one matter there, like one matter is 32 now, I think you said he was. Um, he signed a new two-year deal last summer. Um, to me, that shouldn't be the case. That shouldn't be the case that United are offering deals to players just in case they can't get anyone else in. But that, that to me, is how it feels now. Um, yeah, I think with Jesse Lingard, though, you, you look at Lingard, I, I don't think there's that much wrong with Lingard being at United as a squad player. If you look back at the teams that Ferguson built, um, they always had players that had come through the youth system um, that did a job in terms of coming in every once in a while. And I think that Lingard, as a player, obviously he, he had some very good uh, performances two, three years ago that got him into the World Cup team where he did pretty well for England as well. But to be honest, he's got a ceiling and I don't think he can go much further beyond what he's already done. And having said that, I think that he's probably still warrants a place on the bench, but he's not going to change anything. And, you know, I guess it all boils down to who can United bring in instead. And again, it goes back to this uncertainty of can United actually bring the right players in? Not sure. We better just offer him a new contract anyway. That seems to me the way the club's being run, which is obviously a bit of a concern for a club that's looking to close a gap on teams like City and Liverpool who seem to have very well organised structures in place for recruitment of players. And if they if they back, because I'd asked you about that tipping point site, but if the board do back Solskjaer and they splash big money on Jadon Sancho, like they've given him money to buy a centre half and he's bought, you know, Harry Maguire and they've, well, look at uh, who's buying these players. We maybe that's a different conversation. But he has an expensive centre half. He's got an expensive left back, excuse me, right back in uh, Aaron Wan Basaka. 
it will be a show of faith in Solskjaer if if Sancho comes in. And I suppose at that stage, it, I, that is the test really. Like he kind of has to do it then. I mean, is it as simple as that? If if they back Solskjaer and, and if Sancho comes in, that really he has to deliver. And in your mind's eye, you think, what is it that he has to deliver? At the bare minimum, it's Champions League football. And I suppose that is a big achievement for Manchester. Finishing fourth, I think Nod said it the other day, that's, that's huge for United really, isn't it? Yeah, more so given the other teams around them and below them and the, the improvements they seem to have made over the summer as well. I think still, I mean, as, as the squad is, I think it, it will do incredibly well to get a top four finish. Um, I'm not entirely sure who beyond the other three teams that finished in the top four last year will get it, but uh, I think United will struggle as it is. Um, realistic. What about target, Sancho? What about Sancho? With Sancho, I think he definitely helps cement the top four place. I don't think he alone is enough to put together a serious title challenge yet. If you look at, you know, if you look at how far in in front City and Liverpool were last year, and both of those teams have got stronger, I don't think it's it's going to be enough for United to challenge. I still think United probably are about another year away from with with the right signings of being a real serious force again. And as things stand, I don't really see. The moves being made to to put United in that bracket yet, so I, I think it'd have to be another top four finish is a likely outcome. Hmm. Mm. Um. Now, what about? I mean, like we're only two games into the season, but um, we're looking at players that United want to get rid of, but there's obviously there's still a spine. Like, and it's only it's only two games. I know the Crystal Palace defeat feels pretty. Uh, it feels very bad and it feels like something that maybe will become a trend. But looking at United, obviously, tail end of last season, Fernandez flying, uh, Greenwood flying, Rashford flying. Like there is a spine of a very good team there. Um, you get Pogba back um, on form or at least not been a drain on the team. Like there is, you know, I know you're a huge fan of Sancho. I know there's others that are saying, they saw him for 15 minutes in the Iceland game and I've decided he's not up to the standard. But, I mean, like, if, is it a is there a huge amount to be done with United? If, if for example, they got Sancho in and perhaps they change the manager in the next year, do you think United are still miles away from Liverpool? Um, yeah, because United, uh, because uh, Liverpool are, are run by smart people and, and United aren't. Um, that's the bottom line. Um, I think any success that United are going to have in uh, in future years is going to be in spite of the ownership, in spite of the board, in spite of the chief exec- chief executive, rather than because of it. Um, I think I think the point you make about um, reasons to be cheerful and uh, and players who um, who are who are obviously very talented at the club. Um, what that points to is the crux of the frustration amongst United fans, I think, because if it was just a case of United were shy and and a bit of a lost cause, then then fair folks, like United United fans could get used to that. Um I, I know every club's got like a spoiled fans and fans who that only care when 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 they play and when the team's winning, but I think generally United fans have been quite patient, especially the match going fans. Um, with with the direction of the club, but the massively frustrating thing for for the fans is a all this money has been taken out of the club by the Glazers in terms of 
um, debt, financing their debt and also dividends that they receive. So that makes a bit of a moot point about uh, how tough the coronavirus pandemic has been because, yeah, it's, it's been tough, but it's also been tough on all these other clubs that are spending money and, and, and also, um, like, the Glazers are, are such leeches on the club and taking such so much money out. So, so that kind of negates that argument. But also... The mo- uh, on the field, the most frustrating thing is that you can see that with three or four or even two or three really astute signings, like the club could really go somewhere. And and if anything, the the form towards the end of last season, after the resumption of the season, um, it showed what United, United could be and it, it showed what Solskjaer's United could be. And that's why everyone was so hyped. That's why everyone was so so excited about the new season because they thought, okay, well, if if we've got this team and we've got this front three, and obviously these this front three are really good, but if we just had one extra player to add to that or, of that quality or, high, or or higher, who could who could rotate, so you'd have like four players in three position, positions rather than three, then that would that would sort of give us another another dimension, and it would um it would stop us getting tired, and it would stop the players sort of like uh relying too much on, on on a particular sort of uh first eleven. If if the defence was a little bit more solid, if we had more proactive uh central defenders, that could make a major difference. If if we just if we accept that, that Wan Bisaka is more of a defensive uh fullback and and that was countered with or that was sort of like uh, balanced out by the other side being a bit more attacking and a bit more aggressive and actually overlapping and, and getting crosses in. That would add another dimension dimension to the team. So there was all these there was all these sort of like um, uh, obvious sort of uh, weaknesses in the team that you just thought if these can just be addressed, suddenly you've got a really exciting team and you've got a really exciting sort of set of say fifteen, sixteen uh, first team starters and 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 we go in places we can be really excited about the season. And I don't mean sort of winning the league. I don't mean sort of competing against Chelsea. Um, well, not well, well, well. Chelsea have sort of signed all these all these uh, amazing players, so, so they've they've moved ahead. But it's not even about sort of competing against Liverpool and uh, Cissé. It's about just being excited. That's the, that's the main thing about this season. This season, United fans aren't stupid, and United fans aren't so sort of spoiled to think why aren't we challenging for the league this season? I don't think anyone in the right mind thinks that as a United fan that we're going to challenge Liverpool and City this season. All they wanted was to be excited about the season. All they wanted to be is to see some sort of progress. And the way the club have dealt with the close season and signing players, it's totally it's dampened that, and it's and that's what's so frustrating. It's 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 kind of sucked all the hope and excitement of a new season out of out of the fans because now they just think actually, if we're just standing still, then then that's regressing. That's you, you. You see the likes of Wolves. You see the likes of Everton. You see the likes of even Spurs, um, and, and and all these teams sort of uh, really sort of adding to their teams and 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 adding and sort of resolving sort of weaknesses in their in, in their teams and 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 just signing players to be excited about. And then you see United, where no one leaves and no one comes in, and it's just this really sort of uh, underwhelming sense that like we are where we are and. And all they'll do is is blame Borussia Dortmund for not selling us their best player, or they'll blame the coronavirus pandemic, even though it affects other clubs. Um, and and really, like there's there's no it's there's no one no one is expecting to to spend like Chelsea or to compete with City or Liverpool. But 
just do something. Just just do something that's a little bit smart. Look at sort of clever loans. If if we can't get uh, Sancho, look at sort of cheaper players. Sort of do your fucking scouting and and, and unearth these gems rather than just rather than just sitting there. That's that's the point, and I think I also think now there wouldn't be the frustration there is now had United not had that good run towards the end of last season. I think as Noz says. You know, we we got a glimpse there of what Solskjaer was actually trying to do, and we saw a lot of things from that. We saw that, yeah, if you actually do back him, there will be this progress. But also, we saw from his reluctance to make substitutes that once you scratch the surface of that eleven, there's not really a great deal more. And you know, we're hearing all this stuff now from Woodward about how you know we're not immune from the the effect of the pandemic. Of course, they're not. They're losing five or six million every match day, but. I, I don't think for one second that the Glazer family are going to be taking a COVID discount out of their dividends and things like that. And that, that is, I think, what really gets the United fans at this moment in time. They're hearing things like that, but they're seeing clubs like Everton and clubs like even Leeds, who've just come into the Premier League, and Aston Villa, who've just stayed in it, are spending more net than Manchester United are. And it just, it just, it, it's incredibly frustrating because, most of all, it's so predictable as well. I think a lot of United fans probably saw this coming. When they got the top four and nothing happened immediately after that, I think that there's probably that expectation from a lot of them that it was going to rumble on and rumble on and it was going to be another one of these summers. And it has been. From a, a kind of a, a sociological point of view, a pair of proud woolly back manks <laughs> like yourself. Naz, you're probably not woolly back, but anyway, you it's know what scouse, I mean. <laughs> um, like you're used to obviously I'm inter- interested in how United fans are coping with the fact that they've had so long at the top and I know Liverpool fans went through this you know in the 90s but have had so long at the top and are now essentially like so feasting on um, titles and whatever else and it's crumbs now and it's having to be um, humble and it's having to eat humble pie, and it's having to be quiet, probably, and it's not being allowed, not even being able to be smug about or be like quiet and smug about the fact that you've you're winning and you've got the best team and you've got the best manager, and against all that, you've got Liverpool, who are up the road and are winning, you know, everything. Everton, who I think must have been given in the northwest, must have given a bit of consolation the fact they were so dysfunctional, and now they don't look to be dysfunctional. And then your city, your own city rivals, um, Manchester City, who have, like now as you've alluded to professionalism and well-run clubs, whatever about, wherever that money is coming from and whatever you want to say about the politics of it, they are a well-run club. They have one of the top managers in the world. They've got a plan. They don't seem to overplay for players. They get good players in. They do their transfers really quickly. They don't drag out. They get done. And they get like, you know, they'll have done their transfers, Aki, et cetera. They'll have done them like the week after the last season ended. And here you guys are, you're the ones as ever in the, in the, the, the transfer drama and the, the long saga of the summer. Like, how is it when you have to be, uh, when you have to accept all that? For, for a lot of, a lot of the match going fans that I know at United, they, they seem to accept before, before Moyes arrived, really, that City were, were going to be here for the long haul and that City City had the kind of resources that was going to make them quite a force. They already were a force by the time by the time Moyes got in. Um, it, it's a really difficult one to answer. I, I don't think, as Noz said a minute ago, I don't think that there was re- really any expectation amongst United fans that they had this, this God-given right to be that successful club. Um, 
and I just think it's all mainly the frustration. It's so painfully obvious to see that these owners are coming into other clubs. They've got a plan. They put the right people in in place. I mean, you look at City. Every single person who runs that club, um, from from Guardiola to the people above him, um, are the best they can possibly get to do their jobs. And they are football people. And until the same thing happens at United, that epiphany moment where they realise that the similar thing has to happen there, it's it's not going to get any better. It really isn't. I mean, I I feel sorry for Solskjaer because I think that he has got his own his own plan in place and his own idea of the way he'd like to take it and you, you can see that but I don't see United ever returning to the point where they are consistently at the top until things above him change and I mean right the way up to the top of the owner Alright Chas we leave it there for a moment um, now we have uh, Ruben Pinder has been catching up with Leeds United centre half Liam Cooper and that's because the Yorkshire Derby is live on BT Sport 1 this Sunday from 11.30am you can watch the game and all BT Sports fixtures for the next 30 days with the BT Sports monthly pass for just £25 a month, no contract, and leads, of course, by Sheffield United this weekend. And uh, this is Ruben chatting to Liam Cooper. Liam Cooper, thank you for speaking to us. How are you doing? All good, all good. Um, looking forward to the game at the weekend and um, hopefully we can get, get one over Sheffield United. Yeah, I mean, Yorkshire Derby, first one in the Premier League um, this season. I mean, it, how much more significant do these games feel uh, for, for Leeds players? Yeah, brilliant. Um, obviously, it's the first one in the top flight for, for a very long time and they're always special. They're always tough games, um, especially Sheffield United. They play a unique way. Um, they've sort of perfected the way they play and uh, made it their own and it's always a tough game. Um I think the last two fixtures against them in the championship have all both been one nil, um, one apiece. So, no, exciting games to play. Obviously, it's going to be it's going to be hard without the fans. You're not going to get the same aura around it and the same buzz. But now we look forward to it, and we've got a job to do. And you say Sheffield United play in a unique way. So do Leeds, of course. We can't talk about Leeds without talking about Marcelo Bielsa. Um, what has it been like training under him compared to the rest of your career beforehand? Uh, it's something else, something I've I've never seen before. Um, the the training is is so intense, it's long and intense, and um, it's difficult. Um, especially, it took maybe four, five, six months to get used to 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 really feel the benefits of it. But then you seem to come to the games and and you seem to fly. Um, I've I've said it said it a lot, and the players are the same. And we all bought into it. Um, obviously, he's he's so renowned around the world for for his attacking ways and and the way his teams play. And, um, it, it, it certainly did as well last season, and and obviously we've only played played two games in the Premier League. But no, we're doing all right. We've just got to stick to what what we believe in, and yeah, it's difficult, but um, we, we we enjoy we enjoy working hard. Was there any scepticism around his arrival when he first came in? Like, uh, you know, coming into the Championship um, at Leeds United, given that he's. His career beforehand had been all around Europe and South America. What was the what were the thoughts among the players when his arrival was announced a couple of years ago? Um, for me personally, you you just you just can't believe that obviously he's going going to come to manage manage Leeds United in the Championship. Um, but I know Marcelo loves he loves a project. Um, he, he studies the city and the people. Um, we're a, we're a one team one team city, and um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sure. Um, Everybody was buzzing when he came. I was definitely. Um, I knew how, how demanding it was going to be, but um, I don't think you can can actually prepare yourself for, for how demanding it's going to be. Um, 
it exceeds what you think it's going to be and it's tough but it's rewarding at the same time and what was the first day of training like um in pre-season a couple of years ago was it was it a big shot for the squad there was, yeah. Um, obviously, once you get your your fitness tests and stuff out of the way, then then the real work uh, really starts. Uh, we was in at nine a.m. every day. We'd we'd run in the morning. Um, Marcelo had um, um, dorms built upstairs uh, at, at the training ground. Um, we was all sleeping sleeping in there, and and then we was training again at four half four in the afternoon. And there was long days. Um, but come the end, when you come out the end of that that six seven week preseason. Um, you feel as fit and as strong as you've ever been, and yeah, we started well that season. Um, people will say we 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 sort of bent out towards the end of the season, um, but there, there was a lot of other factors as well. And um, we had a lot of injuries at, to important players at important parts of the season, and um, I think the biggest coup was um, getting to getting Marcelo to to sign on again. Um, we built up such a such a relationship with the coach and his staff, and we knew exactly what was what was wanted of us and. Um, it, ju- it just seemed to click, yeah. So Marcelo staying was was definitely a, um, a a big turning point for our season last last year, and um, I think to win the to win the league eventually by ten points in any championship is 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 difficult, and um, that just speaks volumes of the work we've done over the two years. Mm-hmm. And on a personal level, what how has he changed your game? I mean, not only on the pitch, but I think I read that you lost ten kilograms. While training under him, like so, how has he changed you um, as a player and a person? It's just the fine details. Like I say, that that is a big thing. What spoke about? He wants all the players to be in the best shape they can be. Um, at the time, I, I, I was probably five six kilos overweight, um, as was a lot of the players. And um, obviously, it doesn't just happen overnight. Um, your attention to detail and your diet, um, what you do away from the club, what you do outside the, the training ground walls, and. And 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 how you approach training. Um, everybody bought into it from day one. There was some tough days. I, I won't lie, and, and and there always is. But I'm a big believer in anything worthwhile is is, is going to be tough. And yeah, the, um, uh, hats off to the to the group. Um, they really did really did stick to it. Um, we 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 knew what was what was needed of us, and um, I think the the intensity we play at a lot of teams couldn't deal with it in the championship. And and hopefully we can leave our stamp in the Premier League. And um, you've mentioned that, you know, when, when you didn't get promoted and there was the kind of uncertainty around Bielsa's future, um, obviously you were all relieved that he stayed for another season. But how did he manage to sort of pick the squad up after that um, disappointing end and convince you all that you do it again and it will work? I, th- I think, obviously, it, it, it's such a, uh, a shocker to get over. It was, it, it hit us hard. Um, I think the boys will admit for two, three, four weeks of, of that off season, we was tetchy, we was on edge, and I think if you ask our families, they they was walking on eggshells around us because it, it was. We, but I think um, we sort of believed our hype, and um, we didn't we didn't have much experience in those situations, and and coming off the back of that, and coming into pre season, and and starting the way we did away at Bristol City that game when we won three one, um, it sort of. It, it rejuvenates your, your your emotion, and yeah, we we have got a chance again, and and we can go again. And I think from 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 getting that result, really, we never looked back. We had we had a little wobble in in November December, um, but we we had the experience of of how to get on that. We'd we'd live we'd live some of these moments that the season before, and I think it it boded well for us mentally. And in the Premier League this season, you've one win, one loss so far. 
seven goals in each game. Is that what Premier League fans should expect from every Leeds game? As a centre half, I hope not. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be. I don't want to be conceding goals like that. Um, we have made, made um, a few mistakes defensively, and we've, there's, there's, there's no group um, better than us who are, who are going to go and, and analyse that to, to every last detail. Um, we've, we've already had a conversation about it this morning, and we do need to be better. Um, it should have been a comfortable, comfortable win at the, at the weekend, and um, obviously. You could say we got a bit sloppy the, the, the last 20 minutes and, and let Fulham back into the game. But now we work hard every day, um, different how we're going to defend. And we're a fairly new defence as well. Obviously, Robin's just come in. Um, Robin played with Pascal, who, who did a great job on his debut at, um, at Anfield. And yeah, it's, it takes time. Um, but I think the less mistakes we do make, um, we'll leave ourselves in, in, in a much better position. And how are the new signings adapting? You mentioned Robin Koch, um, obviously Rodrigo Moreno's coming up front. Um, how are they uh, sort of adapting to to playing for Leeds? Not brilliantly. Obviously, you, you, your first week, as as was ours, it's, it's always a shock to the system and the intensity we train at. Um, I don't think there's any any team in, in in the world that train to that intensity. But no, they've been they've been good. We, we've got such a good group anyway. Um, we've got a good mixture of of youth and experience and. There's no clicks around our dressing room or anything like that. We're, we're we're a really close unit on a whole, and yeah, it's easy for any player to to settle in because the, the lads are always always take them in like they're their own. There's one click in midfield. Um, what um and what's the goal for Leeds this season? Obviously, when teams get promoted, it's generally to stay up. Um, but there's been so much justified hype around this Leeds team that maybe you can follow in Wolves' footsteps and finish in the top half. What what are the team looking at for a kind of uh, to achieve this season, I think any team who, who comes into the Premier League, um, obviously with our style of play, it can be attractive to to the neutral and 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 other supporters. Um, but we won't, we won't get carried away. I think um, our main aim this season is to con- consolidate and and stay in the Premier League, and and anything else is a bonus. And I think that's the way we've got to approach it. Um, we know how difficult it's going to be. Um, we know the quality in the Premier League, and um, we'll just take it game by game and. And what will be at the end of the season will be, but um, we'll give it a right good go. Brilliant. Liam, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Cheers, pal. Nice to meet you. Ruben there chatting to Liam Cooper, Leeds United. All right, that's it, lads. Sai, Naz, thank you very much for your time. Uh, Sai, we'll, ha- we'll have you back again, pal, but you have to do it from your car the next time. That's, yeah, yeah, that's no problem. Yeah. I won't have a say in it, mate. It'll be my wife who tells me to. Don't worry about it. No problem. Well, we approve of that around these parts. Uh, Nas, um, doing anything nice for the weekend? Yeah, I'm, I'm going down to lakes. That was my silent impression. Going down to lakes with, with Mrs. <laughs> In the car. Um, what are the the lakes? Is that like that's that's shorthand for what the the lake? District, I think he's referring to the lake district. Is that is that right? No, is that what you're getting? It at? is because 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 just to, just to sort of make you aware, Paddy, uh, Sai 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 loves his photographer, and if you go on his Instagram Instagram account, you get a load of boring sort of photographs <laughs> of like of like water and nature. So yeah, he's going down lakes. <laughs> Uh, well, look at lads. Uh, Brighton against Man United this weekend. Potential, it's got potential banana skin written all over it, that one. Uh, so we'll wait and see. But we will be back the far side of the weekend to um, look back at the weekend's Premier League fixtures. Thanks very much to Cy Lloyd. 
Thanks to Nordine Chowdhury and thanks to you for listening. If you haven't already done so, click subscribe to never miss a show. We'll talk soon. Good luck. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave.